Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Nuggets now. Three o'clock hour here on the Burns and Gambo show. Hope you're all having a good Thursday. As always, thanks for hanging out with us and letting us keep you company on this Thursday. Chris Paul, this is a fresh sound, if you will, from Suns practice today. This is Monty Williams. Chris Paul stating the obvious, but just in case, he didn't participate in practice today. No, he didn't do anything today. He's just in the phase of getting himself getting himself right. I mean, he didn't do anything on the floor with us, but he's doing stuff in the back and he's on the floor doing some small stuff, but nothing tangible. We don't know for sure how long the Suns are going to be without the services of Chris Paul. We're all assuming that it's at least this weekend, that it might be even Game 5 in Denver. Beyond that, who knows? No one's quite sure when he comes back. Our poll question yesterday here on Burns and Gambo is Chris Paul played his last game with the Phoenix Suns. That's a really big picture question. You yep. and I, I voted no because I still think there's a chance he returns in this series. You made the argument the answer is no, because the Suns might get to the end of the season and go, you know what, he's better than any other option we've he got out be. there. Let's bring he him might back, be. I right? mean, listen, I think there's a chance he played his last game. I think that's what I said. I think he has. But um, you may get to the point where you're just like, okay, what's our options? Chris Paul at 30, 38 will be 39 in the playoffs next year? Or well, this guy or that guy? is not a lot out there. You know, not, like, not a lot of good point guards you can go get, and especially when you're in a cap situation the Suns are in makes it even more difficult. Yeah, look, Chris Paul, we've we've had a lot of conversations about Chris. And, and of course, it, we said it yesterday. Let's say it again today. For as much as we might criticize or question or wonder, nobody wants this more than Chris. Nobody works harder for this than Chris. Chris Paul, it's, it's a shame that his career has been in some ways been defined by moments like this, right? Like that it just keeps happening over and over again to him. And it's, and of course, there's nothing he could do to prevent it. And, and it's, it's, it sucks. It sucks for him. Chris Paul, for all of the critiques about the slippage in his play and his age and the fact that he's not the same guy, I, there was a stat this morning that Kellen Olson, and we're going to have Kellen on the show at 3.30, Gambo. There's a stat that Kellen had in his story today at ArizonaSports.com that just blew you away. I was, I was surprised how strongly you reacted to this. Yeah. No, I didn't. I mean, I didn't because... You look at Chris as an individual player, and what do we say? And, ah, he's not the same player he used to be. He's not the player. Man, it, he, he hit a wall last year against Dallas when he turned 37. He hasn't been the same since. And we just, you're not shooting a three. It's like, we look at that, but you don't, you know, we didn't, that's how we looked at it. We looked at it as an individual player. He's not doing a great job. He's not the same player anymore. Can't even run the point all the time because he's too slow with his pace. And they've got to have Booker bring it up. And sometimes he sits in the corner. But we didn't really factor in how they play as a team with him on the floor. So, per Kellen's research, when Chris Paul was on the floor during this postseason, 250 minutes when he was on the floor, the Phoenix Suns outscored the opposition by eight points per 100 possessions. That's the best mark on the Suns team. Better than Book, better than KD, better than anybody. Nobody was better when they were on the floor than Chris Paul was. Even worse, when you take him off the floor, the 86 minutes that he sat. This is crazy. Minus 18 they were minus 17.9 per 100 possessions in the time That's that he was off the floor. That's a 24 point difference. Yeah. You're going from plus 8 to minus 18 when he's not on the floor. When he is on the floor to when he's not on the floor. You don't have, when he handles the ball, you don't have turnovers. 
typically. You don't, have, you don't have turnovers. Yep. You know, he may not make the, and he still can get to a spot and knock down shots. If he gets there, he's going to knock him down. He's got this, this uncanny ability to knock down those mid-range shots from the elbow unlike anything we've ever seen still at his age. He doesn't shoot the three or defend as well as he used to. But yeah, I was blown away by that because, you know, look, I, I, I've said, and I think this, it backs up a lot of what I've really truly believed. They can't win without Chris Paul being great. Like, I've said that a hundred times. You have. Yes, they you have. can't win unless Chris is great. Like, he's got to play at a high level for them to be great. They're going to really suffer without him. They need his scoring. Yeah. They need his basketball IQ. They need his ability to get DeAndre involved in the game. I mean, everything that he does, there's a lot of intangible things that Chris does that we don't even talk about. They're going to miss that. But what's funny about it is I wouldn't even, until I had seen this stat, I don't know if I would have defined how Chris played in these postseason as great. No, you know, like no, I, it hadn't like, been great. Like, That's like, why they're down to nothing. Right, to your, I mean, to your yeah. point, he had to play great for them to win. Right. I don't know if I would have said, man, they've Chris Paul's played great so far this postseason. But I don't they, think but, anybody but, would but have they, said that. But they beat the Clippers because they were without their t- two top players. No, no, I understand. I, but but uh, what I'm what the point I'm building towards is that these numbers suggest that Chris Paul was in fact better than we were giving him credit for. Yes, and that Chris Paul was doing more than we were in fact giving him credit for. And that we look at the points and we look at the three point shooting and we look at like the real base stuff and go, oh man, Chris Paul's just, he's getting old, he's not himself. Oh, the pace, they're paying, they're playing so slow. But then you step back and you go, okay, would you rather have him with him or would you rather be without him? And, and there's there's no debate. Of course you'd rather have him. You'd rather have him be out there. Yeah. And numbers like this kind of highlight something Look, like that. Look, he had two really good games against the Clippers. Not great, but really good. 8 of 14 from the field, 16 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. And then 8 of 17 from the field, 3 of Six from deep, nineteen points, nine assists, four rebounds. He, he was one turnover total, <laughs> you know, in those games. One turnover. Those total. are the two games, right? The, the two games. The, the two, two games, games against yeah. the Clippers. So he had two good, really good games. Not great, but really good in those games uh, against you know the Denver Nuggets. I mean, you know, he he wasn't great in either game, and that's to me that's why he was one of five from three in one game and didn't take a three in another. Overall, he was nine for twenty one, and I. I think that's why. I don't think you can win a championship unless Chris was playing at an elite level. You need somebody besides Booker and KD because your bench is just no good. You're too thin. But I think even this is where defining great gets a little wonky with Chris. All right, here, let me, let me explain. Sure. Okay, look at the third quarter of that game two against the Nuggets when he got hurt. All right. Chris Paul wasn't scoring a ton. He wasn't playing as great as we've seen Chris Paul play. But if you were watching that game the way you were, the way I was, the way we all were, Chris Paul was playing very, very well. He was connecting everybody else on the floor. He was getting everybody. He was getting the ball in the right spots. He was making sure the ball was where it needed to be. They had an eight-point lead at the time he suffered the injury, right? He might not have been playing great to the tune of he was draining all of his mid-range shots and he was hitting a bunch of threes and he was scoring a bunch of points, but his connectivity of the players on the floor, he was playing great in the middle of that third quarter and they were up eight because of it. And then he left... And it all just vanished. Yeah. You know, the minute he walked off the floor, it all just vanished. He you know, took it with him. He hasn't been the great scorer, but he's still averaging about 14 points a game in the playoffs. He's averaging almost 14 points a game. I was talking to an NBA coach earlier, and I said, What do you, you know, what do you, what do you think, you know, with the loss of Chris? He said, Look, they need his scoring. And then the other thing, he said, Look, it becomes a lot easier to defend Booker and KD now without Chris there. Sure. It becomes a lot easier sure. to defend those two guys. With Chris, you had to worry about Chris getting to the elbow, hitting the jump 
jumper. You had to worry about Chris. You know, but without without Chris, it does become easier to defend the Suns' top two players. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, once again, another way too early mock draft suggests the Arizona Cardinals don't do what a lot of their fans would want them to do. And we'll explain next on the Burns and Gambo show. Welcome. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Uh, once again, circling back to the top national story of the day today, in case you missed it, uh, Mike Budenholzer out as coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Our buddy Bobby Marks on Twitter points out that of the last four NBA champions, Steve Kerr is the only head coach remaining. Toronto and Nick Nurse. Damn. The Lakers and Frank Vogel. Milwaukee and Mike Budenholzer. Steve Kerr and Golden State. It's top business. <laughs> You're telling That's a top me, business. man. You're telling me. He's only been there for five years. If you remember, the, the Suns interviewed him. Oh, I... Sauber I, interviewed him in a hotel room. Thought it was. They thought the deal was going to get done. And then Budenholzer was... I think there was something about the, the process that he didn't like. I, I think he wanted a little more control or he just wasn't sure about Sarver. Yeah. I, I remember. I wanted him. I wanted yeah. him bad. Because to me, he was Monty Williams before Monty Williams. He was the guy who had the experience. He was the guy who had been there and done it and was kind of the different type of coach the Suns were not hiring at that moment. I, I was crushed when they didn't hire Mike Budenholzer. He's out. He got yeah. fired today by the Milwaukee Bucks. How Man, about that's that? That's just crazy, crazy stuff. All right, so... Um, I'm just looking at an old tweet that um, Vince Murata put a tweet up. Gambo has tweeted that the belief is Budenholzer really wants the Bucks job, not the Suns job. So I had reported at that time that the Sun, that he wants the Bucks job over the Suns job, and that's why he didn't get... That's probably why he didn't get the Suns job. He's holding up for the Bucks job. Broke my heart when he t- and mm. won a championship there, you know, and, and it's it's bad. It's just crazy story, crazy crazy story. All right, I, turning our attention back to the Arizona Cardinals, and we did talk a lot about this yesterday. But oh, this I, is great. I, I like this fresh this, spin on this today. This is great. Uh, Todd McShay, and I really love what Todd McShay wrote about his way too early mock drafts for next year. Okay, because now you're seeing all these mock drafters, and they're coming out with their 2024 mock draft. And I love what McShay wrote. He said, "Look." There's a reason I call it the way-too-early mock. My 2023 way-too-early mock had 14 players in it who ended up being first-rounders, including three correctly pegged to go in the top five. But I also had Eli Ricks and Emil Ikior Jr. who went undrafted and three guys who returned to school. Take this for what it is. We still have an entire college season and a long pre-draft process ahead. A lot will change. So he's acknowledging this is really, really flawed, okay? But I'm going to do it anyway because it gets clicks and it's what my bosses want me to do. They project the Arizona Cardinals will have the first and the second pick in the draft. But unlike other way too early mocks that have, have them taking Caleb Williams, they have the Cardinals trading the pick. Ooh, that's to juicy. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's juicy. And they've got the now the fascinating thing is okay, where do they have the Bucks? They got the Bucks at five. So they've got the, they don't have the Bucks like all the way dead. They have the Bucks as the fifth worst team. So they've got the Cardinals coming away with two players, one on offense, one on defense, but no quarterback. No quarterback. Nope. And with the, one of the best names ever. Is it, the jerseys will sell left and right. Kool Aid McKinstry. Kool Aid McKinstry. The corner out of Alabama mm-hmm. is the number five yep. pick. They'll just get a, they'll get trade. a Cardinal jersey or an Ohio State jersey <laughs> and just put Kool Aid on it. Can there anybody, it is. The, the, the big picture of Kool Aid bursting through. 
through the wall, right? Yeah. That's that's how you know you're old when you remember the Kool-Aid commercials. Oh, totally. Picture of Kool-Aid bursting through the brick, the brick wall. And yeah, every mother made that stuff. They didn't know it was all sugar. We would bounce it off the walls. They didn't care. Grape Kool-Aid was the best. Remember grape Kool-Aid? Kool-Aid? Oh, Over my cherry God, Kool-Aid? grape Kool-Aid was unreal. Wow. I don't remember having a love affair with grape Kool-Aid. Grape Kool-Aid was the bomb. I remember it was cherry Kool-Aid. Cherry Kool-Aid, uh, orange Kool-Aid, <laughs> grape Kool-Aid. I just remember the big, the big Kool-Aid pitcher bursting through yeah. the wall. Oh, my God. I would um, I, I would actually drink a glass of... You don't remember that? Look at the pictures. Grape Kool-Aid. I, oh, I remember oh, grape Kool-Aid. Man. I just don't remember loving it the way you do. I remember it. Yeah, absolutely. Here's what... Um, Make it ourselves. Just spoon it all in and pour in water. Well, you talk about sugar. What you don't think that... All sugar. Well, you just all sugar. Put in 18 cups of sugar and then put water in it, and there's your drink. Projected trade. This is what he writes. Yeah. Um, If things play out like this, Arizona could control the draft with the top two selections. If the Cardinals are picking this high, a lot of things didn't go right in 2023. Or maybe you could say they did go right. Uh, And it's not out of the question that the new regime would consider a change at quarterback. And he wrote, I considered going that route with my way too early mock draft, but the contract makes it extremely difficult to move on from him after this season. Talking about Kyler, his cap hits for 2024, 25, 26, they're all really expensive. He's coming off a torn ACL. So I'm instead proposing another quarterback needy team comes up the board, allowing the Cardinals to pick up more draft capital and continue the rebuild. So he's, he's saying, look, I acknowledge the Cardinals could potentially go quarterback here if they do right. have the number one pick. I, I, how can it you all not depends say on what that? Kyler does when he comes back and plays. But given the cap hit and how he comes back and plays, there's also real value to trading that pick. And of course, you said it yesterday too, and I and I we'll talk about this a little later on the show. But I think it needs to be mentioned here too. There is this assumption that Caleb Williams is going to be all that in a bag of chips this year. He might not be. He might not be. You know, the same thing we you know a couple of years ago. They thought the local kid from Oklahoma was going to be the number one overall pick, Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. And he had a great year. He had a great freshman year at Oklahoma. So everybody's saying, that's it. He's going to be the number one pick. Struggled. Had to transfer out. Lost his job, Lost to, his Caleb job to Caleb Williams, <laughs> who went to USC. Now, I was the other day, I was just thinking, man, the Cardinals history with USC quarterbacks. Leinert, Barkley, Carson Palmer. They've had a bunch of USC quarterbacks. Yes, they have. It's got to be somebody else. Um, but they've had a bunch of USC quarterbacks. Was there another one? Had to be. Not Sam Darnold, at least not yet. No, not. Um, I'm, uh, was there another USC quarterback that played for... I can't remember. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. Matt Barkley played for him. Yeah. Leinert. Leinert played for him. Carson Palmer. Not John David Booty. Um, I can't remember. I'd have to go back and look at all of yeah, them. I, I don't know if there was another one or not. But look, I, to me, the liner comp is the one that stands out. Like, right. Liner, and I know this is going back a ways, but the year before Leinert got drafted, he had that kind of year. He had that kind of year where you're like, special. oh my God, this yeah. kid's special. This kid's going to be great. So the next year when the Cardinals had the chance to take him, I, I, it was it was met with such praise and such applause, even though he had kind of had a down year, even though like the warning signs were kind of out there a little bit, like hey, he hasn't been as good. Are you sure you want? Oh yeah, he's Matt Leinart. He was great. He's going to be terrific. He just had a talent drain around him that one year at USC. We'll see about Kalen Williams. It's easy to say right now today on May fourth, Caleb Williams is going to be the number one pick in the draft, and he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes. Let, let's see. Let's Let, see how. It- 
it plays see out. See how it plays out. It's just, man, I tell you, that, like the excitement that, like. I think this is going to be the theme all year long, unfortunately, because the Cardinals are not going to be very good. Everybody's going to have, have their eye on that 2024 draft, and nobody's going to pay attention to a team. You're going to pay more attention to Houston than you will the Rams, Seattle, or San Francisco in your own division. thousand percent. What did Houston do? Without question. What about who's, the Rams? Who cares? Play, I don't playing, care. I don't care. Who's playing Houston this week? Yes. What are the odds? Who's favorite? Where is the game? Right. Oh, without question. You might even watch Houston games and root for them to lose. The potential to have the number one and two overall picks in the draft. It's, it's almost unprecedented, right? It happened once before. The Colts back in 92. Who was it? Steve Entman and Quentin Coriat? Steve Entman, Quentin Coriat, and Ashley Ambrose. Yeah. The Although, three players they drafted. We got corrected. Technically, Ashley Ambrose was a second round pick that year. Liar. Because there weren't 32 teams in the league. He, he was, was a the, second rounder? He was a, he was an early second round pick. Ah. Uh, yeah. He was the 20, round pick? He was the 29th pick in the draft, but because there weren't as many teams back then. I remember the, I remember that draft really well. Steve Atman. Yeah. Quentin Coriat, Ashley Ambrose. It would be absolutely unprecedented for something like that to happen. Um, he, they do have the Cardinals staying at number two. They're not going to trade both of them. Like, if you're going to talk about trade, okay, they could, they could trade one of them. If they're sitting there at number two and they can get Marvin Harrison Jr., yeah, they'll do that. Yeah, they'll do that. Yeah. They'll, they'll do yeah. that. that and, and you'll need it, right? Because you'll be one. By that time, Hopkins will be gone. You have to assume Hopkins is going to be gone. You're going to need a top receiver. Yeah. Who knows what they're going to do with Hollywood Brown, but you get a chance to take the best receiver, you, and, he, and if he has a great year, you might do it. All right, shoot us a text. Your thoughts on everything we're talking about today here on Burns and Gambo. We'd love to read some of them on the air. Text us on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now if you want to chime in on the Cardinals' way-too-early mock draft, the Suns without Chris Paul, all of that. Speaking of the Suns without Chris Paul, he's had a good look at the Suns in practice this week. What is he noticing? What is he hearing coming out of the Suns? Our son's guru, Kellen Olson, in studio, joining us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns insider Kellen Olson joins Burns and Gambo to talk Phoenix Suns basketball. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kellen Olson, Arizona Sports. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Valley. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you say it again? I'm Kellen. Welcome to the Valley. Nice to meet you. Courtside with Kellen. Brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. It's always an encouragement for you to go to ArizonaSports.com where you can read Kellen's great Suns content. You can listen to him and Kevin Zimmerman on the Empire of the Suns podcast. You guys just dropped one what, a couple days ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, all free. All free? All free. Uh, we wouldn't charge you. I'm going to pay wall. We charge you for that. I'm going to be like, hey, sign up. Uh, you know, it's 99 cents now and then $14.99 a month after that. No, it's free. Now, why would we do that hmm? to you? No, I'm going to check your credit card and be like, what's this charge for? Yeah. And then three months later, you paid 45 bucks because you forgot about that one yeah. time you went to listen to the podcast. None of that around here. Come on, that stuff. Kellen Olson joining us in studio. He was at Suns practice earlier today. And we were, the three of us just now, a second ago, just kind of chopping this up, trying to figure out how they're going to do this without Chris. And, and like from your perspective, do you suspect campaign starts? Do you suspect campaign still comes off the bench and it's Point book, how it's a guess, but what's your guess in terms of how this is going to look in terms of that, Kellen? I think it's a really difficult answer for the Suns to come up with. I think that it can be simple with Cam, but um, I'll have my preview for the game coming up later today on the site. And part of what I get into is that 
the no, I think the number one priority for them with whoever is going to start has to be spacing and just being able to give Duran and Booker as much room as possible. So if the help comes towards them, which it's going to, you can make them pay as much as possible. I think Cam's a good candidate for that spot. I think he's one of them. And I think by default, Damian Lee and Terrence Ross are the two other ones just because of the three-point shooting that they provide. I think Cam should start, but I have one caveat, which is where I land on him not starting, is that if he starts, Denver is more or less going to run the same basic defensive coverage. So they've been trapping, playing at the level, hedging, whatever you want to call it, on Duran and Booker, right? On Paul, they've mostly been that drop. They've mostly been welcoming him to take those 15-footers, and that will be the same coverage on campaign. They don't want him to get to the rim. They don't want him to do dribble penetration. Go ahead, take the 18-footer, take the 16-footer. That's fine. They will have to adjust to his speed and transition and semi-transition, but outside of that... You can still play the same base defensive coverage. That's still kind of the same deal with Ross and Lee, but just having that extra shooting out there to make it easier on the two big stars is there. Then again, if Book's bringing the ball up the whole time and they're pressing him the whole time and Durant Oof. the same thing, they're getting even more worn down. And yep. I, like, to your noise there, Gambo, I just don't think there's a good answer right now, unfortunately. No, no. I, I, I Listen, I, told you, I asked Kellen afterwards. I, you know, I think the Suns will get one out of two and this will be over in five. Kellen thinks it's probably over in four. A nugget sweep. So it's just it's hard to find the path, right? It's hard to find the path. You're gonna rely on two guys in TJ Warden's who haven't played. Yeah. They haven't played. They're rusty. This is on Monty too to a certain extent. And and I said this to Bernsey. Part of the reason is they weren't able to do what they were supposed to do to the Clippers, kick their ass without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and get those guy those guys some run. Those guys have had no run. They've had no run. They, they haven't played at all since like the, in, a, in almost a month. So how do you rely on two guys who need timing and rhythm who haven't played in that long? Yeah, I, that, that's more of why I lean towards what we were talking about in between the break there and why if I had to pick like any sort of pick right now, that would be it. Just because everything that we've been that's been suggested to us through the playoffs so far has been that eight games was not enough. It was just not enough time to build continuity and chemistry. So now you're going to throw the latest variable and the latest change again, which is, okay, you're, you're, you've been out there, but now you're not, not out there without Chris. And that changes a lot. It changes a whole lot for what they do, and it changes a lot for how you implement Kevin. It's just not as simple as him bringing the ball up 30 more times. It's a lot more different and complex like that. I, I, we were talking about this two game, but I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow because I think Denver could easily get complacent. The Suns could get out to a good start, and then everyone could start to get their mojo going a bit behind a really good crowd. Denver's 19-22 and 22 on the road this year. They haven't been that great. Great. But with that in mind, I think Denver is more of the facilitators with this because I think if the Suns come out and play well and Denver comes out and play well, we can agree that the better team right now, without Chris Paul, the better team is Denver, Denver yeah, right now. Team, yeah, so sure. if they come out and play B, B-plus basketball, and to be clear, they've been at an A or an A-plus so far through the series. They'll win tomorrow. I just don't know if they will. They've never been in this spot before. It's a really interesting time for them. Yeah, and, and, and that's why, all due respect, I, I think at the very least the Suns will force a Game 5 by winning Game 3. Because I, I think, and I, I just keep going back to last night's game, Boston had to play with a certain level of desperation that it was going to be very, very difficult for the Sixers to match, even with Joel and back tonight? on the floor. Or even tonight. Right, like I, I expect the Lakers Warriors, are like we got our split. That's right, fine, and right. the Warriors are gonna be like we cannot lose tonight. The Warriors are gonna play with a desperation that cannot be measured because they know if they're down 0-2 at home, they get their they're screwed. They're in trouble, and I think the Suns are gonna play with that. We're totally screwed if we lose this one. And I think Denver's human nature is just gonna back off a little bit because you're right; they've never really been in this position so much. And I loved what you wrote 
uh, in your piece at ArizonaSports.com about the pressure being on Denver because they've been touting themselves as the underdog in this series the whole time. What did Jokic say about ball coverage? He was like, we just got to pray. Right. The the prayers turned out pretty good for you so far, sir. Like, seriously, like the last time somebody prayed that worked out that well was Gambo when he started (laughs) praying for things. So it's like, I think Denver, with the pressure of you are now the favorite, I want to see how they respond to that. Now, that's just in the context of tomorrow. I'm not saying for the whole series, though. Yeah, and, and the Suns, to be clear, the Suns are favored to win the game tomorrow, but for the series, the Nuggets are the overwhelming favorite, and then if he even goes to the NBA Finals right now and look at who's going to win it all, Denver's like plus 310 right now, and at the start of the playoffs, they were plus 1100. Vegas themselves was not taking them too seriously as someone who could be a title contender, and to your point, there's just been swirls out of Denver the last couple of years asking for them to be taken more seriously, and I think you guys can relate to that in the last two years, asking for the Suns to be taken a lot more seriously during their rise two years ago. But this is what it's all been building to. You guys have been talking about it all week for two weeks now. The reason they traded for Aaron Gordon was for a series like this, where you have to guard a guy like Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant. The reason they traded for a guy like Contavious Caldwell-Pope and signed a guy like Bruce Brown was for this, to guard a guy like Devin Booker, guard a guy like Chris Paul. Everything for them in this Jokic and Murray era has been building up to this. And even better, you're facing a wounded league right now. The the favorites for the title, the Bucks are out in the first round. Yeah, they just fired their coach. The Celtics are splitting at home. They just fired their coach. And then in the other series, it's, it's the Lakers and the Warriors who look like they're certainly figuring things out, but do they look like the Lakers and Warriors you would expect when you're talking about the Lakers and the Warriors? No, they look beatable and that's why Denver has the best odds right now. So they've never been in this position and I just want to see how they respond. If I had to guess, they're going to respond well and be fine, but you just have to present the question. You just don't know right now and we're going to see tomorrow. Yeah, I've always felt that the the reason why Denver was legitimate, legitimate was because outside of what the defensive metrics say, the reason why Denver wasn't credited for being a good defensive team is because Jokic is not a good defender. But the other guys all are. Aaron Gordon can guard one through five. KCP can guard. Brown can guard. They got a lot of size. They throw a lot of size at you. Michael Porter Jr. is big. Like, they're big. But it is going to be easier now, right, for the Denver Nuggets to guard Durant and and Booker. Without Chris Paul, it makes it a lot easier for Denver to take Booker and and Durant somewhat out of the game. And they they had a group all year where we were talking about them being like, this is probably the best starting five in basketball right now with how bad balance there with how well they're playing, just how they all complement each other. You look at game two. For It was like early second quarter when Bick and I were talking about it and could sense like this crowd is ready to explode. I didn't yeah. know if it came across on the TV, it but, did. Did. but we were waiting and they every missed shot, they were like, ah, like they're waiting for it. And then who shows up? KCP hits two threes at the start of the fourth. The crowd starts to get into it. It starts to become a lot more intense in there extremely quickly. The home court advantage, how great they are on the road. And then the Suns offense kind of crumbled in the fourth quarter. And, and to that point, with their starters and their 7th, 8th guys and stuff, there's just such a mismatch right now in depth. And I can't help but come back to something that you you and I talked about uh, a lot in the offseason leading up to the year. We kept talking about the taxpayer mid-level exception. Mm-hmm. We educated a lot of fans on what exactly it is because, well, the Suns hadn't been taxpayers before, so there was no reason to know what it is. I don't know if fans know this. Denver got Bruce Brown on the taxpayer mid-level exception. Mm-hmm. Extremely valuable tool that we, we harped on 
over and over, Gambo. Suns didn't use it. Suns and didn't boy, use it. This is why we kept talking about it over and over kept again. Saving it, and saving it, and, and using it, and and then you know, with the exception, they they almost thought maybe in the buyout market they could offer more money to a guy, and that didn't happen. They just got Terrence Ross, so it's just change in ownership. Obviously, different situation now. You would guess if Matt Ishby had the chance nine months ago, he sure would have spent that money on someone like a Bruce Dante DiVincenzo is playing important minutes for the Warriors right now. He's yeah. on that deal. Somebody, anybody to help out with this depth issue that they have going on right now because it is. Did we all? Did anybody think it was going to be this bad? No, no. no. And, and, and that's Lee why when we helped and a Koji was it, good. And like, what were we doing at the trade deadline? Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant. We were talking about Dario going and how they could potentially miss him in the first or second round, but Dario would be perfect right now. <laughs> now he was. I hadn't even he was, thought about that. He was that's far crazy. more limited this season. Don't get me wrong, and it would have been more of a chance as to more of a guarantee if he would have been effective in this first or second round. But that that was a tax saving move. It, it was a tax saving move to get rid of him. That that's what it ended up being ultimately without Darius Baisley's panned out. So it just kind of adds up quickly in this kind of situation when you're trying to look back and see how did they get in this position? What went wrong? And that's where you go. Those things we talked about three, four, five, six months yeah. ago start to pile up really quickly. Yeah, Kellen, uh, your preview for Game Three is going to be on the website sometime today, sometime this afternoon. Yes. Yep. Okay. Check it out at ArizonaSports.com for Kellen's preview and his words that he's going to write about this one. Thanks for stopping by. As always, you know we appreciate it. Thanks, Kellen Olson. Joining us here in studio, our Suns guru on the Burns and Gambo show. We need you, Suns fans, more than ever to rally the Valley for Games 3 and Games 4. Text the word TICKET to 620-620. Listen for your name today during the 5 o'clock hour for your chance to qualify for Game 3 and Game 4 tickets to see the Suns take on the Nuggets. Again, text the word TICKET to 620-620. We've heard from head coach Monty Williams. He plans to incorporate TJ Warren and Terrence Ross more in Game 3. How exactly? We'll talk about that next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Nuggets now. Game three coming up tomorrow night at Footprint Center. Game four is on Sunday. This is obviously a very pivotal moment. In this series, no Chris Paul. He's not walking through that door anytime soon. At least you assume that he's not. It is often said that a series in the NBA does not start until the home team loses. And if the Suns can somehow find a way to hold serve over these next two games at home without Chris Paul, as much of a miracle as it might be to go back to Denver with a 2-2 series at least gives you a different kind of talking point, a different conversation, yeah, and something yeah. else to, to think about with this series. Yeah, true blue spectacle of a miracle come true. As Barry Manilow once sang. Wow. Um, wow. That was a bad one, I know. Wow. My wife took me to that concert. I took my wife to that concert. She was like, why? Yeah, well. Why did you take me to no, this? No, you know what? And Chelsea, Honestly, if, you're, if you're listening right now, I have the same reaction to yeah. why you just quoted Barry Manilow on this show. You said it's a miracle. It's a miracle. A true blue spectacle of a miracle come true. Oh, oh, oh boy. Hopefully Everyone. Chelsea's not jealous about Mandy or anything. Dancing in the streets. <laughs> Chelsea, if I you're like that song. Is there anything wrong with liking that? I like that no, song. You can you can I like, like it. that song. You can <laughs> like it just fine. It's just you look at the rest of us like we're all supposed to. Is it wrong that we don't? No. It's okay, not. thank it's you. Not. I mean that, that that's kind I of the know. counterpoint. Is it wrong that I don't like no, Barry Manilow? It's not okay. Mm-hmm. All right. It would be a mirror. If they win the I'll be shocked if they win the two here. I will. I will be shocked. I mean, no Chris Paul. No, you know, the, the bench has been terrible. The Nuggets are firing on all cylinders. 
defenders. They got the confidence. Like the Nuggets came into this series not really, you know, the, I'm sure they had some doubts. The Suns swept them a couple of years of course, ago, but they had course. Murray back and, and, but the Suns had KD. They didn't know. When you face the Suns, you almost don't know what to expect because the KD experiment is just so new. I'll be shocked if they get swept. I really will. If 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 we come in here on Monday and they lose both of these games, I I, I will I don't care what sort of role Chris Paul has on this team, a team with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant getting swept, I'll be blown the hell away if that happens. I just don't think it's going to happen. But a split, well, you know, and, and down 3-1 going back to Denver with a series that's going to wrap up in five, I could see that happening. I would like I to absolutely I'd, see I'd like that to look happen. this up. We know Devin Booker's never been swept in a series. Okay, he's never been swept in a playoff series. Has Kevin Durant? Has Kevin Durant ever been swept in a playoff series? Oh, yeah, know. last year. Didn't Boston beat him in four? Oh, yeah. That, yes, it was last year. I think Boston beat them in four last right. year. Mm-hmm. All right. So one of your last lines of defense in this is what is the expectation of a bunch of new faces. And when I say new, I don't really mean new. I just mean faces we haven't seen in a while. Specifically, campaign, Terrence Ross, and perhaps T.J. Warren and all of this. Monty today was asked a question about having these extra days in between games. Does it give him time to figure out better ways to incorporate? Incorporate these players. It does. I mean, you you are who you are to a degree, but there are opportunities to add wrinkles. Um, the one thing you don't want to do is put so much stuff in that you have guys thinking out there about what to do. Uh, but when we find something that we feel like is seamless that we can add, we'll add it along the way. What I try to do is is watch what the guys are doing and see their own natural counters, and then we try to add that. So we've we've tried to do that all season long. And then he reiterated that, you know, there's going to be changes on Friday. We played this one earlier. I'll play it again. We're hopeful that a few adjustments to the lineup, not just campaign, but um, a couple of the guys that play in point five, space the floor a little bit more, can help us. But for sure, campaign, his ability to get down the floor um, and get into stuff, um, quickly certainly helps. I mean, it's a new look. You, you know, we talked about pace. It is a much faster play, a pace, but the your worry with campaign is one. He can be very erratic at times. Indeed, very erratic. Is going to be. You expect more turnovers with him than with Chris. Doesn't shoot the ball as well as Chris does. He doesn't have that calming influence when things aren't going right. The way Chris does, he tends to push it, and that's when he gets erratic. He can get inside the paint, which is something that they've really lacked. Getting inside the paint and and scoring. And the other thing is, man, he just you know he was coming off of a back injury and he hasn't played a whole lot. And so far in these playoffs, his number. Numbers are really, really bad. So in the playoffs so far, he is shooting three for ten from the field. He's only played a total of twenty-five minutes. And remember, he was out for a while. So he's played twenty-five minutes in the playoffs. He's three of ten from the field. He's one of six from three. I just, you know, I mean, is he going to be able to? Now you mentioned yesterday, and maybe you're right. Is there a difference when he starts compared to when he comes off the bench? It does seem like there's a, another gear he kicks into when he's starting over coming off the bench. If you look at his numbers from the last two years, when he when he's filling in for Chris and he knows he's the starting point guard, there is much more of a consistency to his numbers, kind of a calmness to his numbers. He just has to play in control, right? I mean, he's so fast and he's he's sometimes his basketball action is is you know like two steps ahead of what he should be doing because everything's 
it's just moving so very fast for him. I do think he plays, he can play with a little bit more calmness when he knows he's going to be the starter, and we'll see if that happens. I think of all those things that you mentioned with Cam, the one I'm worried about the most, is just his conditioning. I, I mean, he's coming right. off an injury where he hasn't played mm-hmm. very much, and then you factor in the rust of a Terrence Ross, the rust of a of a TJ Warren. Look, let's not let's not sugarcoat this. To borrow a phrase from you, this is desperate. All right, this is this is, the, this is the move of a desperate team. Yes, they're down 0-2. Yep, they 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 have not scored the basketball at the level to which they are accustomed to scoring the basketball. They've really struggled offensively. You can spin this a thousand different ways from Tuesday all you want. This is a desperate move for a desperate organization that's just trying to trying to do something to change the equation here. And if it doesn't work, you know, if this hail mary, if you will, doesn't doesn't find a home, well, then 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 in trouble. But but at the end of the day, I really do believe this, and I, I really believe this. The Suns are going to avoid a sweep if they're to do it. It's going to be because Devin Booker and Kevin Durant had elite special games, and not because of what Campaign did, or not because of what Terrence Ross did. Right? Like those, That's part of it, and I'm not trying to minimize it and say that doesn't matter. It does matter. But make no mistake, if the Suns are going to go into Game 4 trailing 2-1 and trying to, you know, not getting swept, mm-hmm. it's going to be because Devin Booker and Kevin Durant can had they, special games. Can they win if just one of them has a special game? It'd have to be a 50-burger special game. You know, or a 50-burger-like special game. You know what I mean? Like one of those, like what Devin Booker did against the Clippers. Yeah. It's going to be one of those nights. Superhuman efforts by both guys. Yep. You know, we'll say, you know, campaign brings a lot of energy. He does, you know, push the tempo. Um, they didn't really have him. From you know, from what they haven't really had him. He had that back injury. I think he got hurt like second to last game of the season. Played three minutes against the Clippers, five minutes in game one against Denver, seventeen minutes in game two. So he's kind of ramping up a little bit. But how much can you expect from him? I don't know. I think you're right. It's going to be very heavily reliant on Booker and and KD. All right. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we're already there. It's four o'clock, so we'll get you caught up on everything going on in sports. That includes the top story story nationally in Ooh, sports. Big firing. Big firing in the NBA that to some was not a surprise at all. We'll tell you about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show.